Courtside Moms, I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, I have the awesome pleasure of speaking with Eva Wilson, mother of Asia Wilson of the WNBA's Las Vegas Aces. So let's get right to it and get Eva on the show. Thank you so much, Eva, for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So give us the background story about Asia as a little girl and how, when she started to play basketball? Well, i tell you, um, Asia started to play basketball, you know, kind of like the normal way. She started at the rec league. Her dad was her first coach um, in the rec league. Um, she didn't really like it, to be honest. She really didn't like basketball at all, but she just kind of got it then played. We had her doing a lot of different things, you know, the whole ballet, tap, golf, soccer. She did everything. So basketball just fell into it at that particular age. I think it was like seven or eight. Um, so she did that. Like I said, she didn't really like it all that much, but you know, my husband kind of said, okay, if you're gonna do all those other things that your mom wants you to do, you can at least play some basketball for me. So that's kind of how that happened. I love it. I was watching an interview with her and she said, my dad tricked me. <laughs> he did. He tricked her into the AAU part of it. Yeah, oh he, he God, really did. Awesome. Um, she, like I said, didn't want to play, but you know, because she doesn't like. She's a real girly girl, so she's like, I don't want to swear, you know, all of that. <laughs> and so my husband, he did trick her into it. Told her, you know, let's just go see him practice and that sort of thing. So um, she went along with it. Got there, like, no, this is not for me. You know, I just want to go back home. And so he, he kind of got her to stay. And kind of practice a little bit. And then I think she kind of liked the team part of it. It was just being a part of a team and having friends and things like that. So I think she bought into the friend part first before she bought into the actual playing basketball. So like he told her, you know, we're just not going to, you know, spend all this money on AAU because AAU is very expensive. Yes. We're, we're not going to do all of that if you're just not going to put your whole, you know, whole effort into it. Because she was happy being a water girl. Yeah. She was happy being a cheerleader. She didn't care. She was just hanging out with her friends. But, you know, it all clicked, I think, when he told her, you know, if you're not going to be serious about it, you know, we need to probably do something else. But she um, eventually, she got involved in it and saw where she could really um, have fun with it. Right. So once she got into it, then that's that. That's how that's kind of how that went. Well, you know what? That's quite funny because my son didn't like it at the beginning either at the same age. So I look at them both now, NBA and WNBA players. Exactly. So you see parents don't exactly. know all. I don't care what anybody says. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. so obviously she loved basketball. So at one point, right? So when did her interest in basketball peak enough for her to start watching it? Um, probably uh, high, high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she played middle school ball. She played AAU all the way, all the way through. Right. And I would think probably in high school when she started to notice that she was doing pretty good. Yeah. 
Um, and then she started to take it more seriously, um, workouts, you know, training with her dad and that sort of thing. And then she just started to look at it on the collegiate level. You know, you're in high school, your team goes through collegiate right. games, you know, coaches come, they were coming to her high school game. So I think that kind of did it for her. When she noticed that, oh, I might be okay. I might be able to play a little bit. I think that's what really, really got her interested in learning more about it. Right. And um, just get the feel for where it could take her, I think. Did she grow up watching more NBA or WNBA? And who were her inspirations? Um, she watched them both. And um, in high school, on the NBA side, I would say, you know, she had this crush on Blake Griffin. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so on the NBA side, I would say Blake Griffin. And on the WNBA side would be Lisa Leslie and Candace Parker. Right. She really, um, after a while, you know, she really started feeling herself. She thought she was Candace Parker. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she thought she was Candace Parker. So um, I would say Blake, because just, just Blake, you know. Yeah. And, um, and then Candace and Lisa. Well, she's blessed because she was able to eventually meet them both. Yes. Yeah. She was yes. very lucky. Yes. Yes, so yes. yes. Let's talk about her high school years. Share with us how she led them to the state championship and to her being player of the year. Well, um, like I said, you know, Asia went to um, People's Hall. She went to the same school for 12 years. So, yeah, she went to um, a private school here in, in town. And she, like I said, she just kind of started to get more involved with the game, learning the game, um, listening more to um, coaches and watching things and listening, that kind of thing. And I think that she just kind of bought into it, mm -hmm. maybe in high school, as to where it could take them. And like the, her school at Heathwood, they had never won the national uh, national championship. We'll get to that later. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they had never won. <laughs> they had never won a championship. So for her to be able to do that for them and her team and herself, that was just so. That was just huge, huge, huge for her. And after that, then the other accolades started to come. You know, the national credit of the year and and some other awards that she won, but. It was really, um, I guess, a time of reflection for her because, like I said, she didn't want to play. Yeah, she did not want to play. So you go from not wanting to play to winning a championship, and then you're national player of the year. Yeah. So it was really a progression all the way across the board for her. I think. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, if nothing changes your focus, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know. Yeah, right. Going, right. <laughs> right. So let's get to the college recruitment process. She was offered scholarships at powerhouse schools, such as North Carolina at Chapel Hill, South Carolina, and Yukon. Tell yes. us what were important must-haves in the schools and why she chose to play for Dawn Staley at South Carolina. Um, okay, well, you know, the recruiting process for our family was probably, well, I won't say it was done differently because I'm sure a lot of other families do this, but Asia was highly recruited. I mean, we have three or four big huge tubs full of letters that we still have because i'm not going to say so when you have a child i'm going to show your child this so we still have them <laughs> um so for for me i'm i'm a very task oriented person so i knew that at 16 that she would not probably remember 
some of the things that will go into choosing a school. Yeah. So when she, I know you get five, five business, I think that's what it was at the time. And she chose to only take four. She's like, I'm not wasting anybody's time. I know what for, you know, so we took the school visits and everything. So what I did was I um, developed a spreadsheet that I took with me on every visit. And, you know, as we were sitting there talking to the coaches and everything, I would just jot down notes at certain times in the um, interview, if that's what you want to call it, that speak, that kind of piqued her interest, right. you know, so that, because I figured at the end of the recruiting process, she may forget some things. So I just took my iPad and I had this spreadsheet and I kind of just um, took notes on things that she thought was interesting, things that she didn't really care about and that sort of stuff. And we just kind of went from there. Um, so when it got down to it, um, and the, the, the interview with Costelli, I think that by the time we got to them, because she wanted them to be last. Oh. Um, she said, no, they're going, I want them to be last, mom. They, we're here. They, I'm like, we're in the same city. You know, it's not a big thing. You know, I just let them be last. So I was okay with that. You know, in the other schools that we went to, I mean, they really, really um, went really hard. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, you name it. I mean, it was really, really an intense process right. because they were trying to get her. But at any rate, um, when it got down to Coach Staley and everything, she was like, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I think, I think, I think I'm going to commit. And she wouldn't even tell me and my husband. She wouldn't tell us. She just said, I think I'm going to commit. But she would not <laughs> tell us to who. So when we got down to where she was getting ready to make her announcement, on ESPN the next day, my husband and I said, okay, now what we're not gonna do is go on national TV and we not know where you're going. Cause she hadn't told us. <laughs> and so that night, you know, she told us where she was gonna go. I'm like, oh, okay, we're good. So I'm like, okay. So I asked her, I'm like, well, you know, why? And she said, because she felt that Coach Staley had done everything that she aspired to do. Right. I mean, from the collegiate level, the professional level, Olympics, I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. So she said, what better person to um, show me the ropes than somebody that has been on the ropes? Of course. And I'm like, okay, well, you got a point there. Of course. You got a point there. So when she said that, we were, I was real happy, to be honest. I was really, really happy. Because <laughs> um, I kind of felt the same way. I, I kind of felt the same way. So, and I knew that, you know, being here in Columbia, and, and this university being like really right down the street, that if there were any hiccups or whatever, Coach Staley could call me. Now I'll be right here. Yeah. And I can get to you quicker than if I had to drive four hours or get a flight or whatever, because we're still talking about a 16 year old. Right. You know, and at that time, the pressures of being the national player of the year, you know, the number one player in the country, that whole song and dance, you know, comes with a lot of pressure. And I wanted to make sure as a parent that my husband and I were there for her when she needed us. And I didn't want her to have to deal with someone else while I'd get there four hours away, trying to get a flight there, whatever the case may be. Um, so I was kind of happy that she chose um, South Carolina. Right. Was it important for Asia to have a female coach? Um, yes, for me, for me, for me. Um, I think it was important for me because here again, what better person to know what it, what you're going to be going through, even on the female side, you know what I mean? 
I mean, yeah. we're emotional creatures. Yeah. So to have a female coach, I thought that would be better for Asia, being Asia, being who she is, um, that that would be better for her, mm -hmm. I thought. Now, whether or not she had a preference, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. But I do think that had Coach Staley been at Timbuktu University, I think she would have gone there. So tell us, what were her years like at South Carolina? Her years at South Carolina were, I think they were good years. Um, she was able to live on campus, which was different for her. She learned to share, which was different for her. Um, I think she grew a lot. I mean, matured a whole lot. She matured a whole lot. Um, by way of even academically, um, she matured a lot. Socially, she matured a lot. Um, and I think that just having um, the coaching staff there for her, because, you know, the coaching staff was there for all, for, for, for the team, period. But I think for Asia, um, just knowing that Coach Staley was there anytime she needed her, um, I think that really, really helped her transition. Because, like I said, she went to Heathwood Hall for 12 years. So you're going to the same school for 12 years, and now you're venturing yeah. off to something different. Um, I think that that Costella really made that transition uh, much more easier for A. Right. Well, she was three times All-American. She led the team to national championships <laughs> and was the SEC Player of the Year three times in a row. So tell us, what was the NCAA championship like? Woo! Oh, my goodness. Um, that was something. Um, I would tell you that, okay, that was 2017, I believe, when they won the national championship. Um, I'm gonna give you a little back history and mm -hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll move forward. Um, my mother, um, who was Asia's yeah. be all end all, okay? She had never <laughs> seen Asia play a basketball game. She promised Asia that she would come to her first collegiate basketball game, okay? So she did. She came to her very first collegiate basketball game and she never was able to attend another one. But she made her, she kept her promise that she would come to the first one. And um, that that I think that kind of just set the tone as well. But the national championship game and all the games from that point on, I think really fueled her to want to play for her grandmother. Um, because my, my mother passed away in 2016. And I think from that point on, Asia was really was playing for her yeah. because she was able to see her play that one time in the entire time Asia been playing, she only saw her play that one time. And I think that Asia dedicated from that point forward, even to today, I think that um, Asia dedicates her whole basketball career yeah. to her grandmother. And that was a very exciting time for us because we were able to see history being made at, at the university. Yeah. Um, and for her and her team to be able to do that together, I think that really just set the tone, you know, Wendy, for a lot, a lot of other things of course. that started to come and play for her. But I, I really believe that the, the spiritual part of it really drives her even today it really drives her to um to be able to just put things in that extra gear you know because sometimes you need just that extra little mm yeah. to get you over the hump 
And I think that when those times come for Asia, I think she reaches really, really deep into her spiritual being and her faith. And I think it pushes her right on over. And I, I do believe that's what happened in that national championship game. Wow. I love her story about um, <laughs> her and her grandmother and how your mother mm. gave her pearls. Yes. 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 I yes, love yes, that yes. story. She was saying, I wear pearls all the time. And I think that's she so does. beautiful. Yes. Yes. An awesome reminder of her grandmother. So, <laughs> so yeah. tell me, what's the atmosphere like going to a home game in South Carolina? Or what was it like? Ooh, honey, let me tell you. <laughs> Until you've come to a South Carolina basketball, <laughs> women's basketball game, you have not seen it, honey. Yes. When I tell you they put on, they put on. The fans are great. Oh. I mean, they, Coach Staley, I mean, from the time she got there, she was able to get the community to come together and rally behind the teams. I mean, we fans really believe, and I know I believe it, that they are a part of these girls' lives. I mean, they really believe that if I see you uh, in Target Asia, I, I can come up to you. Now, sometimes you're like, oh, no, no. not our fans, not our <laughs> fans. South Carolina fans really believe that they are part of the team, the girls' lives. They really do, which is good because you want, you want that kind of feeling of, of a family atmosphere when you are trying to play at your best. Right. And Costelli set the tone for that. I mean, she she really rallied our community around the team. And I really think that's what made a lot of the difference in how they were able to achieve what they achieved. Yeah. With all the inequalities that were mm-hmm. highlighted recently between the women and men's gyms, was this something that was just as apparent to players while Asia was at South Carolina? But inequalities are inequality. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's just it. Yeah. They're, 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 that it is what it is in that aspect. Now, um, I would venture to say, from what I know, mm-hmm. from what I know, of course, that um, the inequalities, as far as the, if we're talking about the men's and the women's basketball programs, yes, um, as a parent. I never noticed any, but that doesn't mean that we're not there. That's right. I never noticed any. Right. Um, and I and I believe that if there were any that were noticeable, Coach Staley took care of it. Yeah. She took care of it. She made sure that her girls <laughs> were treated fairly. And that's probably why I never noticed any. Not to say there weren't any, but I just didn't notice That's any. right. Again, yeah. everything is on your perspective, right? Of what you thought or what yes. she shared with you, right? We know you weren't there. So. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, yes, yes. Asia graduated with a degree in mass communications. And on her grad <laughs> night, the school announced that there would be an 11-foot statue dedicated in her honor placed in front of the arena. Yes. What was your reaction yes. when you heard that? Well, I'll tell you the funny thing about that. We were at the graduation ceremony and, you know, Asia had already gone across the stage and we were, my husband and my son, my stepson and I, we were leaving the um, the arena because we were like, let's go outside. You know, we had already told Asia we were going to meet her outside, you know, so we were leaving. And then I think someone came over to me and said, no, 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 don't leave. But my husband is already gone. 
And so I'm like, what do you mean? Don't leave. So I'm like, okay, don't leave. So I called my husband. I'm like, Russell, they said for us not to leave. So he came back and we sat there and that's when they made the announcement because Asia was still in her seat. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm like what? I mean, it blew us away. Of course. I mean, a, a statue, bro? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm like, if you can get her to clean her room up, then she can get a statue. I'm with it. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm with it. A statue? I'm like, oh my God, they just don't know. So, but um, yeah, but it was just like, you just couldn't believe it. Yeah. You just could not believe it. And I hear again, I know that Coach Staley was behind that. I mean, yes. she like, she pulled up like the first, what, $100,000 or something like that of her own cash. She was behind all of that. I'm like, a statue? What? Yeah. That's... We were blown away. And it was so interesting, though, how everything was like done after the fact, when you look, when we look back on it, sat down and talked about it. He's like, mom, you know, I was sitting in seat number 22. She said, how did they make that happen? She said, Wilson is at the end. She said, but when you went back and thought about things, everything was already strategically done. Yeah. I'm like, wow. But the statue? <laughs> that's, well, I love that, your t-shirt. Wow. Your t-shirt. <laughs> yes, that is. Like, there's a statue right there in t-shirt form. I love it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes. So the unveiling ceremony took place actually this year. And mm -hmm. in Asia's speech, she said, the same campus my grandmother couldn't walk on is the same campus that houses the yes. statue of her granddaughter. So tell yes. me, if your mother were here today to witness that moment, what do you think she would have said? She probably would have said progress. She probably would have just said progress, yeah. some progress, because... Um, and it's so interesting how that came about, you know, Asia had already worked on a speech and everything. And my brother and I were talking and he said, you know, Eva, you know, mom couldn't even walk on that campus. She, my mom lived four blocks away from where the statue is standing now. And he said, you know, she couldn't even walk on this camp. She couldn't even walk anywhere near yeah. where this, where they're going to erect the statue. I'm like, wow, that's right. And so that's when I told Asia, I had no idea she was putting that in her speech. I mean, I wish she had told me then I. I probably wouldn't have had the ugly pride that I had, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but that's so true. She, my mom being the person that she is and all that she went through growing up and, and this life in general, she probably would have said progress. She probably, that's, she probably just, that would have been her word. Yeah. Progress. That's amazing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Bring us to draft night. Let's start from <laughs> how you and your family prepared walk us through to the moment when her name was called number one to her surprise when she was congratulated by her favorite NBA player. Oh, draft night. Okay. So we didn't really know, you know, what number, I mean, you know, you the rumors, da, 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 but we really didn't know for sure. And um, so draft night, you know, they flew us to, I think it was New York. I don't know where everything's so fuzzy, but anyway, they flew somewhere. Right. And um, <laughs> they flew somewhere. And, you know, we were all excited. I mean, you know, all the hustle and bustle of everything that was going on with the activities that they had planned for her and everything was just, everything was just top tier, top level. And we were just so 
excited for her, you know, because we knew how hard she worked. And like I said, the rumors were she was going number one. Oh, but then the rumors, oh, she's going number two. You know, it was, you just don't, you just didn't know. Yeah. But we didn't care. We didn't care. You know, um, the fact that she had checked off one more thing off of her list that she wanted to accomplish was all that we needed. You know what I mean? That's all that we needed for her. And we went to draft night, you know, oh, it's just, oh my God, when did you, well, you know, the hustle and bustle of it all, everybody's all pretty and everything. And so, and I know you probably heard this story too. We had gotten her draft outfit custom made for her, you know, cause she's tall, you know, yeah. everything fits kind of awkwardly. So we had gotten her draft outfit made and everything. And so she was in another room. I think she was room with Diamond. And um, so they were getting dressed and she called me. She's like, mom, I need you. Can you come to the room? I'm like, girl, what now? I'm trying to get ready. I said, what? So I'm like, okay. So I went over to the room. She said, guess what? Guess what we forgot to do? I'm like, what did we forget to do? She said, we forgot to sit down in the romper. She said, we got it made while I was standing up. Oh, that's funny. It was fitted while I was standing up. <laughs> she said, mom, I can't sit down. If I sit down, because they had like a little choker or something made up here. She yeah. said, I tried to sit down and almost kill myself. I'm like, what? <laughs> so she's like, I'm like, okay. And I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We don't have time for this. And so she said, well, I'm going to need you to, um, I'm going to need you to help me put my shoes on because I can't bend over. Oh, I'm like, oh God. So I'm like, okay, we're going to the bathroom. I said, well, sit down in the, on, the, on the toilet. Let's see what we can do here. So she's sitting down all crazy. And I'm like, Asia, you cannot burst the seams on this rock. <laughs> cannot. We don't have anything else to wear. You cannot. So she's sitting like, oh my God, mama. So we got the shoes done, 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 done. And so um, she went and got on the bus and I'm like, oh my God, please, Jesus, just don't let this girl rip the seams in this proper. <laughs> so we get to the um, table, you know, where they had a seating and she's sitting like slouched down. Yeah. Like, I can't sit right because it's going to rip I'm like oh my god so we're sitting there trying to, and I'm tapping her on the leg she's tapping me on the leg like mama get rid of her and call my number whatever it is because this is awful so we're sitting there sitting there I'm like oh my god so she gets up they um they call her name and she jumps up she said oh my god one more minute it would have been a wrap she said mama I promise you one more moment it would have been a wrap so she got up and I'm, I'm looking behind her like looking for seams I'm okay I'm make sure it's not you know nothing happened here so she got up and you know she she got up and went up and she actually went number one and everything and so we were like all my husband my stepson and I we were all sitting there like she made it without ripping the romper <laughs> yes that was our word we were worried about what number at that point yeah. you just cannot walk up there with a ripped romper never mind the aces it's about the outfit yeah, no. <laughs> never mind that yeah. Never mind that. But uh, yeah, so she got through all of that stuff, Wendy. And then afterwards or whatever, you know, that's when she got the iPad handed to her with Blake Griffin on it. I really thought that I was going to have to go over there and resuscitate her. Yeah. <laughs> she was crazy. Aww. Out of her mind, crazy. I'm like, Asia. She's like, mom, you just don't understand. I'm like, oh, I probably don't. She said, uh, you just said that was Blake Griffin. And he called my name. I'm like, okay, well, Asia, okay. I'm like, you <laughs> calling me? What is this? I'm like, okay, 
but mom, you don't understand. Blake Griffin called my name. He said he watched my game. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you weren't starstruck, eh, mom? <laughs> Not at all, but she was. <laughs> That's all that matters, I guess, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that whole draft night, I mean, it was one to remember for several reasons. Of course, of course. But, you know, but yeah, but to know that she worked hard and was able to achieve what she achieved was all that mattered to us. So that was it. I have to ask, which I thought was so funny when I was watching um, when she got drafted. And I forgot what the question was they asked her or something like, what do you think of Las Vegas or the Aces or whatever? And her answer was, what happens in Sin City <laughs> stays in Sin City. So as, a, as a mom, what, <laughs> what were you thinking? Embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassment. I'm like, hey, what? I know the camera went right to you. I could stop laughing. <laughs> Embarrassment. <laughs> Oh, you're the best. <laughs> so, oh my God. You're the best. So I'm sure she was kidding mom. So, <laughs> so let's talk about the transition. So the transition from graduating from college to playing in the WNBA is from a few days to two weeks. How was she yes. able to readjust so quickly to this new chapter in her life? Well, you know, one thing about age and Coach Staley here again, here again, instilled this in, in, her, in her players. You have to be able to turn the page. Right. You know, give yourself time, but you have to turn the page. And that's what Asia literally did in her mind. She just turned the page because now I have a job to do. Now I'm getting paid. Now, yes. you know, I'm getting paid to perform. So this is my job. So now I have to handle myself in this way. So for her, I think it was very helpful that she had already sort of endured a lot of pressure leading up to that point as far as performance, you know, leadership and that sort of thing. So I think that um, the one thing that had to click for her was this is not a job. You know, this is not, and like um, I would always tell her, just like on any other job, you will be evaluated. Okay. And if you don't perform the way that you should, you will be fired. Yeah. Yeah. Plain and simple. And that's what I had to get her to understand. Because you, you, keep in mind, you're still talking about young, young people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So she didn't have the rigors of having to look for a job, resume, application, interview. She didn't have to do all of that. So she bypassed what I call the grunt work. Yeah that builds character. Yeah. She bypassed all of that. You know, she went straight into her dream job. That's what she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that just being able to handle the professional part of it, knowing that this is now your job and you have to perform or you will not have a job kind of thing. I think that that's what helped her to understand what she had to do. Yeah. Well, of course, because now she's on a different level, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, mm -hmm. exactly. she went from playing basketball for fun for now playing basketball. It's still fun, but you're getting paid for it and you have exactly. different expectations. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. And I think that's what um, helped her to keep things in perspective. Yeah. You know, you have to keep, you have to keep it. All of it has to be kept in perspective yeah. because every single day 
I'm thinking at the professional level, they're asking more and more and more of you. Yeah. They don't care that you just got out of college. You're the number one draft pick. That's it. You need to come here ready. Yeah. And it's a lot of pressure yeah. for a young girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Especially who doesn't understand, yes. right? Like for all those years yes. she was playing and she yes. was great and she's yeah. still great because she got to the next level. But now it's, mm-hmm. now you mm-hmm. have to continue exactly. to be great to stay there. Where in college, exactly. I mean, you just, you're there. But now it's like, well, exactly. you got to outperform everybody. Because there's not exactly. that many, there's only 12 teams in the WNBA. Yes. You know that, that was 144 girls, man. So yeah, you got to do what you got to like do. And like she said, and like she said, often when we were taught, they're faster than me, they're bigger than me, they're more knowledgeable than me, you know, so I have to kind of really step up my game now, even though I'm, what, 17, 18, whatever, yeah. I have to perform. Now I'm playing against Candace Parker. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, so it, it all happened, I would say it all happened really fast, Wendy, but I think that her perspective of it all right. is what really helped her to be able to maintain and to do better season after season. So tell yeah. us about her rookie year. <sighs> I think <laughs> we never thought that her rookie year was going to be like it was because she had not grasped the concept of what was really being required of her or asked of her from Bill Lambeer. Yeah. Um, I don't think she understood that just because you're a rookie, you're still expected to be a leader, even if you have vets on your team. Yeah. You know, you're expected to be a leader and you're still expected to perform up to your full capacity. Right. And so we were like, okay, just do whatever. So she was like, okay, I'm just gonna play and have fun. I'm going, I'm, I'm not ready to be a leader yet because she hadn't, you know, it's almost like a pecking order. Yep. I think Asia had this pecking order um, scenario in her mind. So I don't think that's why she was able to be the quote unquote vocal leader that she needed to be because she was like, I'm a rookie. I mean, the vets are here, you know, they, you know, whatever. But I think her rookie year, she just kind of played, just kind of played. And it just kind of panned out that she ended up being rookie of the year, but I don't think she understood what it really meant. Yeah. I think she just played, just played. So what do you think she brings to the aces? I think she brings um, leadership. I think she brings um, a different outlook on life and what's expected of a um, rookie, a second year player, things like that. Um, I think she brings a level of maturity because of what she has experienced getting to the her fourth season now. And when I say experience, I mean experience by way of um, just pressure. You know, people, I don't, I don't think, and you know, once upon a time, I think one time I posted on social media, she's a human being, not a machine. Because a lot of times, particularly I think women, for us, uh, you know, it's so funny because she just wrote this thing in the, in the Players' Tribune about it. The expectations are different. 
And I think that she brings to the Aces a calmness for her team. Uh, we're going to be all right. If we can get this thing together and play together, we're going to be all right. Because everybody's expecting us to not do this, to not do that. So we, we're going to be okay if we could just keep this together and remain some sense of calmness, I think. For sure. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think she brings to, to them. So let's now move forward and let's talk about the wobble. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what has she shared about her time playing in there? all the way to where her team went to the finals. Listen, um, the wobble, even though it, um, from, it wasn't for her and for none of them, I, I don't believe, it wasn't quote unquote the best situation because you can find, yeah. you know, you can find and they, that takes a whole nother level of mentality to be confined for that long, yeah. you know? So I think that she, once she got over the fact that she was going to be there, the way it was set up, mm. I think then she said, okay, I'm going to be here. So I'm going to, you know, see, get my team together and we're going to do what we do. And that's kind of what happened. I think that it clicked. It clicked with her and her teammates that they were counted out. You know, they were down some players, you know, um, who were very valuable to the team. And I think that she just said, you know what, we've been counted out, but we're not out. So I think that she was able to, that's when the leadership kicked in. Yeah. That's when it kicked in um, for her. And she was able to be the leader, I think that Coach Lambeer wanted her to be in the wobble. Yeah. And I think that that really helped the team because you know, you, you got all this you know, adversity going on, all this kind of stuff going on outside in the world. You're in a you're in a rubble, you know, you can't you can't do or say some of the things that you probably would have done had you not been in the rubble. So I think that the rubble really matured her a lot, lot. Yeah. I mean a whole lot. Because you 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 you're in a structured environment. Yeah. You either you're gonna do or not do at this point. And I think that's when the light bulb went off to for her that okay, I got to really step up my game and my leadership. If we're going to, if we're not going to be counted out. Oh, for sure. So I, mean, I think that's kind of what she did. I think that's, yeah, I think that's what, what happened with her there. Yeah. I mean, it must've been difficult for everybody, like you said, but yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. she still played very well within her season where she was MVP. And like I said right. before, then her team made it to the finals in the wobble. I mean, yes. They yes. unfortunately yes. lost, but I mean, they brought their game. So despite yes. all the adversities they, they faced, they still made it that far. So, yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes. So Asia has said that she's forever grateful to her family for your love and support. Let's talk about <laughs> your family dynamic and how together you have helped mm. cultivate her to who she is today. You know, our family when when sometimes when people say family over everything they're just kind of saying it we mean it we mean it in our family and um we are very very close-knit um we're small small probably considered to consider in comparison to other families but we are very a very close-knit family we have always rallied around my siblings and i and, and my husband and his siblings we have always rallied around our children 
Uh, we have always supported them, you know, and things that they wanted to do, always. And I think that Asia knows that regardless of what happens, good, bad, or indifferent, that we're here for her. And I think that that fuels her to be able to do certain things, you know, without apprehension. Yeah. Because she knows, regardless if I fail, I'm going to fail, it's okay. But I know my family is going to be there for me in the end. Right. And I think that's kind of that's kind of what fuels her to to do a lot of things that she, that she's been able to do, Wendy. There's nothing better than family support, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, your family mm-hmm. is who you want to trust and who you're supposed to trust. So when they're there, exactly. You know, and I, I think uh, yes. a lot of people don't realize that it's really they think when a player plays for a particular team, it's the team that's the backbone of the player, and it's not. To me, it's the family. It is. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, like you said, you, you're a mother of an athlete. So, you know, that you have to be there. And I, I, I kind of tell myself this. And I say, one day I'm going to write a book about after the clap. Yeah. Once the people stop clapping, once they stop cheering, you know, who's there for you after all when the clap is when it stops? Love it. And most of the time it's your family yeah. that's there for you after the clap. Because if you're in a game and I always hold my breath, I hold my breath. Lord, I don't even know how to make it. I hold my breath so much during games. But <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> I'm praying and I'm holding my breath because my thing is, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing this. She's doing all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the minute she does something that people don't think she should have done. Mm. Oh, she missed that layup. Oh, she's this. That's when I have to go into mommy mode. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I do. I'm telling you. Yeah, because pe- people really, in my opinion, I don't think they understand. Yeah, they, this is their job. They're getting paid just like we going out to yeah. get paid. But you don't go and tell your boss, you suck. You, you know, what? But you'll be so quick to tell a player that he's still working. That's She's true. still working. So at the end of yeah, at the end of the day, the family is they're the people that's there after the clap. When wow. all that's done, we're there. I love that after the clap. You're just making me think when I go to Orlando and I, I go see my son and again everything is so loud. You know what I mean? The games going on, there's thousands of people in the arena, and then we get back to his house and we're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And it's so quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you I mean, know, that's the thing. Yeah. And it's yeah. So I mean, they different. go through a lot. I mean, Asia played in this game. I, you know, I think it's a freshman year when USC played Duke. And honey, Don Staley had the nerve to put my baby in that game. And it was like the last couple of minutes. And it was a, a you're going to do it or not. We could lose. Honey, I prayed so hard because I knew she put my baby. I said, oh my gosh, she put my baby in. Why you put that in now? You know? <laughs> But she put it in there. Because she knew. And I was praying. Yeah, she knew. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. Because I knew if Asia did not do what needed to be done in that final second of that game, they were going to lose. And I knew what mindset Asia was going to have after that. Yeah. And I was not sure, as a freshman in college, if she was going to be able to handle that. Yeah. You know, because they were going to dig a ditch for her. You know, so I'm like, okay, so I had to be there after the clap. She made it, 
they won. But I had to think about what if she what didn't? What if she didn't? Yeah. And you're absolutely right when you say uh, it's a lot of pressure on the players, right? Because fans expect nothing but the best. And when you deliver yes. Yes. under that, it's really bad. And it's terrible it because is. fans always say, yeah, I'm your number one fan until they're not. Exactly. And when you're not, exactly. that's the point that matters to the player, right? Because exactly. they're thinking, you know, you know, my fan, they love me and they got my back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. they do, but a lot of times, you know what I mean? When a fan just sits there and just, just rakes into you for doing something wrong, they don't realize that these players, they have feelings just like the fan does. You know how exactly. the fan is happy exactly. and they're sad? Well, it's the same thing with the player. How do you think he exactly. or she felt when they missed that buzzer beater you know, to win the game or all these things? And people don't realize it's a lot, of, it's a lot yeah. for the player as well. It's not yeah. only about the fan, right? Exactly. I mean, they don't intentionally want to miss the buzzer beater. Oh, I mean, they don't intentionally want to miss the layup. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> but the wrath that comes after that, I mean, and social media does not help Yeah. at all. You know, Asia bans me from social media. <laughs> she, she bans me. Girl, because I, I get somebody told quick. <laughs> I get them told quick. So she bans me from social media. She's mama, just don't respond. Tell dad not to respond. Tell auntie Jan not to respond because we will go in. Wait, have you ever? I have. I only responded. <laughs> you don't want to go scroll down. <laughs> go look for that. I only responded once. Oh and God. the only reason I responded was because they, they tagged me. Oh, well, that's fair game. They said, at Eva. Okay. So if you tag me, yeah, here it is. Yeah. And that's what I told the person when I wrote my little fact. I'm like, you, since you decided to tag me, here it is. <sighs> but I'm like... Don't tag me. Yeah. <laughs> don't tag me because you tag me, it's on. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, don't got, do that. Yeah. Yeah. You that, know, because at the end of the day, that's my child. Yeah. That's my baby. At yeah. the end of the day, you have yours. Whatever you do with yours, that's your business. However you feel about your child, that's your business. But what you're not going to do is tag me and talk about mine. Yeah. Well, good for no, you. No, yeah. no, we're not going to do I that. just learned to stay that. off of it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I've been banned. Yeah, I've been banned. She said, Mama, please. <laughs> yeah, I've been banned as well. <laughs> so, like many WNBA players, Asia played overseas. Your yes. husband Roscoe also played pro. Yes, for twelve yes. years. So, did his experience yes. help her be more prepared for adjusting to another culture while working and playing the sport she loves at the same time? Oh yes, it did. It did. I mean, having somebody close to you that's done certain things that you aspire to do always helps. And um, he was able to kind of give her a glimpse of what it may be like as far as the culture, you know, the language, you know, the language of food, that kind of stuff. Well, he went with her. I mean, she went mm. to China, he went with her. Yeah. Um, so I think that really helped because that was her first time going overseas. And then you going, she was going to China. And in our minds, you know, she would have been the only American on her team, the language, you know, that whole song of that. Mm-hmm. And with him going over there with her and have played those many years overseas, I think that really helped her to be comfortable. Yeah. And to go and do what she needed to do. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he gave her, I mean, yeah, he helped her out tremendously with that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, she he was did. blessed to have 
someone as close as a dad, you know what I mean? To, mm-hmm. to be there and help her um, with that. Because yeah. It's not easy. I mean, people just make it think, Oh, you it's get not. paid, you're going overseas. It's like, who cares? You're still away from everything yes. that you're used to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 So, so yeah, but it was an experience for her. Um, she's only gone once because she got injured while she was there. Yeah. So she's only gone once, but I think having gone again, that's another, that was another level of maturity that was added to her makeup. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A big difference in my opinion between WNBA and NBA is playing time. The WNBA season is so short. So a lot of women, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, play overseas this means mm-hmm. that they're playing all year round. Yes. So when yes. does Asia rest her body? Uh, well, she really don't get a chance to rest <laughs> her body because you're playing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has been fortunate enough, just like some of the other um, WNBA players, to have excellent trainers um excellent discipline of themselves yeah. because you I, I think you really have to be disciplined um because you know you're putting all of that into your body the whole wear and tear yeah. for the lack of a better word and I think that um because they know that this is going back to this is my job I have to make sure that my body is up to par to perform to the best of my ability. And I think that that's what a lot of WNBA players have in their minds. I mean, granted, um, they're playing because they want to um, supplement their income, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, that's a large part of it because even though you're playing now, you have to think about your retirement. You know, God forbid something should happen to you and you can't play. Yeah. You know, so you have to think about, you know, your 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 ability to continue to live, you know, live, live the way you want to live. I mean, you can live, but live the way you want to live. So, of course, a lot of them go overseas to supplement. I mean, I would say they go overseas to supplement their income. I mean, because if you had a choice, maybe you wouldn't go overseas. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of our um, players do not have a choice. That's right. Um, So that's why they go. But I think a lot of it. Wendy is just discipline and making sure that their body stays in shape. They, they, they're mental because, you know, if the mental is off, that takes care of everything else. Yeah. So I think that if they have to make sure that all aspects of their being is on one accord. That's what I think. Can you imagine the pressure of having to always keep your body you know what I mean? In, in full physical form mm-hmm. all year round. I mean, we do it anyway, but there's a big difference when you're just running and jumping all over the place. You know what I mean? Like yes. sometimes I speak to people and they're like, oh, you know, we work every like all year round. And I'm like, but it's not the same. I mean, we go no, to our offices. No, it's not the same. You know what I mean? We go to our offices, our nine to fives, we get in the car, we walk away. And you know what I mean? Yes. They're, they're running all day, yes. all year. I mean, you're jumping, practice. you're running. Yeah. Oh, That's hard on the body. No. It is. Yeah. It is. Oh, and you're doing it. Oh man, yeah. It is. <laughs> and, uh, don't get me started, Wendy. I know. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eva, you've raised one incredible woman. I personally Thank admire you. her strength. I mean, she stands for so much. So it's hard just to focus on the basketball part of her life. But when <laughs> did you know that she was more than a superstar basketball player? Um. 
probably her first year as a, well, it's kind of hard for me to pinpoint it, to be honest, um, because I don't look at her as a superstar basketball player. She's still the same one who just left here this weekend from home. She had to do a community event. And I'm like, okay, well, you still need to make up your bed. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so I don't look at her as a superstar athlete. And I mean, really, I don't know. And then people come, oh, Asia, Asia, Asia. I'm like, really? You know, because I just don't see her that way. I mean, she's still my baby, you know. I mean, she's, we still have our conversations, you know, mother-daughter talks and that sort of thing. So I don't think I ever really took the time to look at it that way. But I would tell you what, what really warmed my heart though, was when she decided when she, that first, when she first became a professional athlete, when she decided that she wanted to start her foundation rather earlier than later, you know, zero dollars. Um, but she wanted to start her foundation because she knew what it was like to be a young person with a learning disability. Right. You know, so for her to want to start a foundation to help other youth that um, may have dyslexia or whatever the case may be. And also back with the bullying, because that's another part of her yes. um, foundation. It's like dyslexia and then the anti-bullying part of it, because bullying falls over to the learning disability part. A lot of people, a lot of kids that are, have, that are learning disabled, they're being bullied. That's right. You know, so I guess for me, maybe that's when the superstar part comes. Maybe we'll just call it that. Yeah. It's when she decided that she wanted to do it like right now. I don't want to wait until I'm in the league a couple of years. I want to do it right now. Yeah. So I guess maybe that, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. And that's that's beautiful because that's a big part of who she is, right? She had mm-hmm. a learning disability and she said she didn't tell anybody about it for the longest right. time because she didn't want to get bullied or, you know, yes. what I mean? but now she's doing something about it and she's helping yes. others. And I just think that is yes. fantastic. And kudos to you. You raised an awesome, awesome oh, young you. woman. Like I just love for what oh, everything she stands for. You know what oh, I mean? Thank with her, you, Wendy. You know what I mean? Like for, especially, you know, with, with talking to, um, I love her dear black girl that she has on her website. Mm-hmm. And oh, I love it. I, I think I read it about a million times. Just <laughs> <laughs> I sent it to my niece. And oh. uh, yeah, she loved it too. You know what I mean? And, and, and of oh. course, I mean, she follows Asia, but it was, I was like, you have to read this. And, <laughs> yeah. and it oh, resonated with her nice. as well. Right. That's wonderful. And we appreciate the support because like I say, you know, some people just don't get it. Yeah. They don't get it. They, have no they just idea. don't get it. So yeah. they have no idea. So, you know, but. So as a parent, how do you handle when your child tells you that they feel insecure or they feel disrespected or they feel some sort of instability about their career? Um, like, how do you help her get through it? With much prayer. Okay. Prayer. Her faith is strong. Um, my faith is strong. So I, I would say we get through a lot of things with prayer, Wendy. I mean, we're a praying family. Yeah. I mean, we are a praying family. She had a praying grandmother, you know? So a lot of things, even though we try to talk about it, or she and I may try to talk about it, I always say, just pray about it, eh? Pray about it. Honestly, 
pray about it. Because sometimes you can't, even if I were to tell her what I thought she should do to feel more secure, whatever, I'm not Asia. That's right. You know, and she can only tell me what she can tell me. Yeah. And she can't possibly tell me everything. So I'm like, I hear you. Let's talk about it, but let's pray about it. Oh, for sure. You know, you got you just have to pray about it. And and that's and that's what we do. We pray a lot. We pray a lot. <laughs> As a female athlete, people can say mean things and refer to them to being too masculine or body shame them. Has that ever happened to Asia? And if so, how do you deal with that as a mom and bring comfort to your daughter at any age? Well, um, you know, she was always really tall. She was always really tall, um, lanky, you know, and this just awkwardly, awkwardly yeah. tall and lanky. And um, for a long time, she did not want to um, wear skirts or dresses because her legs were skinny, you know, that whole song and dance. And, you know, and she always would make sure that she wore, like the school that she attended, they wore uniforms. So she would make sure to always jazz up her uniform, you know, she would add a little extra little oomph to it yeah. because she wanted to make sure, yeah, I'm tall, I'm lanky, I know I'm, you know, whatever, but I'm going to jazz mine up, you know, so that it won't look so make me look so out of place and so um we spent a lot of money (laughs) a lot of money on shoes and (laughs) pants and stuff you know just to make sure that that wasn't a hindrance yeah you know she's gonna have a a, enough obstacles anyway so let's not make your pants and your shoes one of them right Right. Let's just, yeah, let's just make sure that's not one of them. Change the and focus. And so, um, yeah, yeah, you know, we're okay. We don't make sure we look good. You know, <laughs> we're going to take that, take that away. But she dealt with um, a lot of that, her middle school, particularly middle school years, you know, because that's a transition. That's a transition yeah. year. You know, you know, your body's going through all these crazy things. And um, she dealt with that mostly during her middle school year, just being so tall and just being, um, expected that when you look at her, oh, you must play basketball. And I remember, you know, she, she got that a lot. And she said, you know, mama, what's interesting is they always ask tall people, oh, you, you, you must play basketball. She said, they never ask short people that. Yeah. She said, they never ask anyone short, you must play basketball. You know, that's true. So, they do. Um, yeah, they they, do. They, they my do. son tells people that he plays chess when they ask him. Yeah. She, Asia <laughs> would tell him, she said, no, I'm, um, I'm a jockey. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a jockey. That's what she used to tell them. Never shut them right up. Yeah, but um, yeah, that shut them right up. But yeah, but basically, just talking to her and praying about things and and controlling what we could control. We could control her dress. Yeah, yeah, control yes. what you can control. Other stuff, we're gonna pray about it and work through it. Yeah, so that's, that's when the whole pearl it. thing came with your mom, I believe. Yeah, telling her all you pretty girls were pearls and yes, because that's what that whole part of that self-esteem. Yes. That, that's where all that came about. Yes, uh, all of that came yeah. about as a result of, you know, the tall, lanky, you know, my hair was all whatever. Yeah. Um thing. That's that's exactly where that came from, Wendy. Asia and her dad spent time training together. Who would <laughs> win a one-on-one game today between them today? Girl. Listen, he would say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is he around? Ask him. No. <laughs> oh, he's not around. He's not around. I mean, he would say, well, you know what? I believe Roscoe would be honest. If they had to do it today, 
he would say Asia would win. Awesome. He would be honest. Yeah. But some years back, he would say he would win. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but then you got to remember, you got to remember, I taught her everything she knows. So of course she's going to beat him. <laughs> exactly. That's his excuse, right? Or it would be, right? <laughs> yeah, of course she's going to beat me. Because beat I, me. Told I taught her everything she knows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So let's learn some fun facts now about Asia. What was that go-to dish that you made for her growing up? Girl, the chef surprise. Spaghetti, of course. (laughs) (laughs) The chef surprise. My spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) You said she was there over the weekend. Did you make that for her? We didn't have time this weekend, but I would have. Yeah, yeah. I would have. Every time we visit her in Vegas, I make it. Oh, there and you it's go. so funny. It's so funny because she's like, Chef Surprise, huh? Yes. <laughs> I love her, Chef Surprise. <laughs> when my house, we say surprise, that's because you're like, what is that? I don't know. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just eat it. Oh, for the best. <laughs> you're like, I think, I think it's meat. I think. Chew. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So tell yes, me. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, one, what is one childhood item she couldn't live without other than a basketball? Hmm. Probably. Um, probably a childhood item she can live without. Well, I know she can't live without the phone now. Um, <laughs> childhood item will probably be... Her, she had like, you know, whatever you call the little boy? gaming thing way back when, way, yeah, yeah, yes, the Game Boy. Yeah. 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 I would say, I would say that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did she have a childhood nickname? And if she did, what was it? Or is it? Bookie Boo. <laughs> I love that. She's going to feel me. <laughs> She's going to kill me, Bookie Boo. <laughs> I love that. Bookie Boo. That's okay, Mom. Bookie You're allowed. Tell me your most memorable moment to date with Asia. Memorable moment to date with Asia would have to be when she and I went to visit my mother's gravesite together right after she passed. Um, And I say that's the most memorable because it was so much going on at the time till we never had an opportunity, she and I, to come together and just do it together. Right. And I think that when she and I did that, I think that brought some closure kind of sort of closure Mm -hmm. for her to let her know that it was going to be okay it's okay to grieve it's okay to be sad it's okay to have an off game it's okay to be not okay yeah yeah Yeah. so i think i think i think that was it i think that was it for me wendy that's nice to give her that moment to realize it's okay just to be in asia yes it's okay yeah it's okay yeah Mm -hmm. yeah now some advice questions what would be your advice 
to any other courtside mom when it comes to dealing with coaches you may not agree with? Um, make sure that you don't take that energy to your child because your child is the one that is playing. Your child is the one that's being coached. So don't take that energy to them because they have to play the game. Yeah. They have to play it. And for that coach. And it's different. Yeah. (laughs) And for that coach. And it's different when you're sitting in the seat and not playing, you know, I I think it's different. We could say and look at, oh, he's just, well, you're not in the game. That's right. You're not in the game. So, you know, you can have that energy and have your thoughts, but just try not to take that to your, your player, your child. Yeah. And coaches, they have pressure too, right? I mean, no coach goes to a game and says they want to lose. So. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 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 What advice would you give to a player about how to deal with a tough teammate? Um, I would say until you understand why that teammate is being so tough, you might need to talk with them if you can. Because Wendy, people go through so much, so much yeah. that we have no idea what they're going through. And it may be a reason why that teammate is acting the way they're acting. Yeah. You know, and if you can get that teammate to trust you, um, feel that you're being genuine and getting to understand we're we're in this together, we're a team for a reason. If you can do it now, you may not be able to. You may not be able to. But if you can, yeah. um, I would try to find out what what drives that person yeah. to act this way or to be that way. Because it's something. We don't just wake up now. You know, we just don't wake up being whatever we whatever we are. We, there's a reason behind it. Yeah, oh for sure. And if yeah, and if you can somehow, and you may not be able to, but if you can somehow get with that teammate to find out what, what makes you tick. Yeah. You know, what, what can we do to understand you? Or maybe you don't understand me. Yeah. You know, what is it that, what is it that you, what's up? What's up? Let's just have a talk. What's up? Yeah. You know, woman to woman, let's what's up. If you could give one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would it be? Be there for your child because all days are not going to be good. Just be there for them because they need you at that moment. They, I mean, when everything's good, everything's good. But I think that our children need us more to be in their corner when things are not so good. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if people realize, but our kids need us just to be the parent mm-hmm. more and more. I don't, you know what I mean? Be don't want to be your friend. That's it. None of that. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Not, yeah. nope. Don't want to be yeah. your friend. I don't want to know that part. Yeah, that's true. You know? And, and that's my thing, you know, just be a parent. I mean, people ask me and my husband all the time, oh, what did John, what's the secret? What's the secret? The secret is be a parent. Yeah. Be who try you're that. supposed to be. Yeah. yeah try that. Try, yeah. try that on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be Do your parent. role. I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you ain't wrestle, y'all. Just, 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 uh, be a parent. Yeah. Just be a parent. Yeah. And that's required. And if you don't know, yeah, that's it. And if you don't know how to be a parent, 
surely you know somebody that you think is a good parent. Yeah. Go to them, ask them, talk to them. But you know, it's no secret formula. I mean, we're human. There's no secret formula to any of this. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, you know, and, and sometimes they put, you know, we put people on a pedestal and as soon as they get up there, enough, <laughs> then we want to dog them out, you know? So yeah, just be a parent. That is awesome advice. I want to thank you so, so, so much, Eva. You are fantastic. And I just love learning <laughs> so <you>. much <laughs> How about your daughter and so much about you. Oh, oh, listen, I am what I am. I mean, there's no pretense here. But you know what? That's exactly what we want, right? We just want Eva to come on the show and be Eva. I wouldn't expect you to be yeah. anything else or anybody <laughs> else. So absolutely love it. And thanks so much for coming on Courtside oh, Moms. Listen, listen, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for having me. Done, baby. I do it naturally. Whoa, whoa.